Father, I want to give you thanks uh, for your word and particularly uh, the message of Romans. Uh, we're going to continue in today. And Father, I pray that it would be more than just words coming out of my mouth, more than just words uh, that I've reflected on. But Father, that there would be words in the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us of your gift of righteousness, that you would make it real to us, uh, and that you would make us alive in you and in your truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm preaching on the same passage as I did last time I was here. That's because I just couldn't think of anything new. No, it's not that. Uh, I, just, I wanted to uh, go back over something that people have asked about, and so I hope that'll make sense. And it's the word righteousness. We uh, heard last time that righteousness comes from faith, to faith. Righteousness is always by faith. You hopefully all remember that. And uh, you can listen online if you haven't. And that righteousness comes as a gift from God through Jesus. Uh, Never is righteousness our own. We are not righteous. So we've got that. Now we're going to have the ESV, if that's all right. Um, so you're all ready for that? I'll read. Uh, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, this is verse 16, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, that is in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, what you can't see clearly in this is the word righteous or righteousness and the word just or the word just doesn't appear in there. But if you read some Bibles, it'll say the just shall live by faith. The word just and the word righteous is the same word in Greek. The word righteousness and the word justification is the same word in Greek. Right. Got to think about that. So every time in the New Testament you find the word righteousness, you could put the word justification in there or vice versa. And kind of when they write the Bible uh, in English, they, they pick which one they think most makes sense and that's okay but they both mean the same thing alright what does that mean, now I know I've said this before but I want to just give, we're going to talk about what is righteousness today because that's the question that's been asked what does righteousness look like but first I want to understand this Uh, 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 how are we righteous or how are we justified that is made righteous it is through Jesus and what does that look like in in simple terms, I often used it that if, if you uh, have a page like this, and I don't know if you use Word on your computer, if you're Windows people, and, and you can see that, see how there's a straight line all the way down here? Notice that? Now, if you actually pr- highlight all of your text and then press Control-J, it may, that's justified. And what will happen is that suddenly the margin down this side will be exactly the same as the margin. They'll both be straight lines. Isn't that cool? We're doing computer knowledge today. Justify 
And if we, in the old days when we learnt to type, we had to actually count the characters across, divide by this money, and, and you'd do it, and you'd do two spaces in between words here and three spaces there, two spaces, so you ended up with the same. Do you remember doing that? Oh. <laughs> when typing was like mass. Anyway, God's character is like this, and our character is like this. We're all wobbly, and he's straight. Okay? What happens when we trust in Jesus, we are justified. And what that means is our character becomes the same as that of God. We become exactly like him. We become righteous. Okay? I hope that makes sense. Who have we to look at to understand what a righteous character looks like but Jesus? He was the only one who was ever righteous. True? Anybody here who could say, in all my actions, all through my life, I've been exactly like God. Straight line. Who, who here could stand up and say, this morning I've been exactly like God? In the last 10 minutes, perhaps. If you've got kids, we know you're lying. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's more than just... Sorry, I'm moving around a bit. I'm just trying to... I'm going to go up here. I, don't, I want to be a bit taller. It's just, I've been stepping back on that. Ignore my commentary on myself. Okay. Jesus. And I want to look at him because in Romans 1.3, last week in the sermon that you may not have heard because it's not quite up on the podcast yet, um, it says this. This is the gospel concerning his son, Jesus, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Jesus was born and he had human flesh. Okay. He had flesh like we have. He was a real man. He had a mother, Mary, but Joseph wasn't his father. We're told that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so God was his father. Okay? And of this Jesus, Hebrews tells us, he in every respect was tempted as we are, yet was without sin. So Jesus never sinned. He was a a man a human being, and he never sinned. Or 2 Corinthians 5 says, he who knew no sin, in other words, the one who never sinned, became sin for us. So he became sin for us on the cross that we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, go back to Jesus. He was born, he was the oldest in a very large family. Did you know he had a large family? Matthew says, in Matthew 13, towards the end, it says Jesus had four brothers. James, Joseph, Simon and Judas. James, the one who wrote the book of James. And it says, and all of his sisters. All of his sisters is not talking about one, is it? We don't know how many. They don't get names. But um, let's just say it's, it's probably quite likely that Jesus had about seven or eight siblings. And he was the oldest. And he never sinned. Why do I say that? Because where do you see sin? Are you in a family, any of you? Where do you see sin? In your family, don't you? Come on. Right from the time you were young, you see, yeah, not your own, of course. You never caused any problems, but your brothers and sisters caused all your problems, okay? I personally, honestly, find this one of the hardest things to comprehend about the life of Christ, that he lived in a family full of sinners and he never sinned. 
What does a child like that look like? My answer is, I don't know. Do you wish you had one? Mary had sin. So she would have said to all his younger siblings, I wish you was a bit more like your brother. <laughs> and, and, and did they all love Jesus for being sinless? No? Who loves a goody-goody? None of us do. You, you understand? But Jesus never got angry with his brother. He never gave his brother a dead arm. Never did it. He never was selfish. He never threw a tantrum. In, in, in our families, we actually see the sin most of, don't we? Uh, Jesus never sinned against his siblings. Now, rarely, Paul tells us later on in Romans, would someone die for a righteous man. Like, we don't naturally love righteous people. They confront us with our sin. When you're around a holy person, it actually is confronting, isn't it? When you're around a good person. Yeah, don't you love to hear a testimony from someone who was rotten? How about if someone got up and said... Well, I've just gone always perfect. Would you relate to them? <laughs> okay. Now, but that's, that's the, what we'll say, the negative aspect of righteousness is not sinning. Okay? Righteous. Obviously, if you're righteous, you don't sin. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? Because if you have a righteous person, righteous isn't, is not just a word. You can't sort of sit in a corner and be righteous, can you? and be holy, righteous is actually action, isn't it? If you've got a righteous person, they do righteous stuff. True? So Jesus didn't sin, but also he did do good. He did do righteous. That's bad English somehow, but I don't know what's good English. He, he was someone who always loved his brothers who gave him a dead arm, who paid out on him. He was always patient with his, um, with his brothers and sisters. He never whinged and whined to his mum and dad. But that, that's, a, sorry, that's a negative. But he was always gentle. He actually served his mum and dad. He did things for them. That's righteousness. He was gentle. He was kind. He was a perfect child in that he didn't sin and that he always did what was right. He always loved. That was Jesus. Is that difficult? Do you find it difficult like, to, to picture that? Is it, or is it just me? Okay. He grew into a perfect man. He grew through being a teenager. Can you picture a teenager who firstly doesn't sin and secondly always does what's right? Never mopes, never whinges. Never kicks the door. Never selfish, never proud, never angry. Doesn't struggle with lust. He lives a selfless life to all the teenagers around him. That's who Jesus was. And as he grew into a man, then he was tempted in the desert by the, by the devil. And the, the devil brought that incredible lot of temptation on him and he didn't sin. He didn't give in at any point, and he actually said things like this. In John eight twenty nine. he said, when he was confronted with the Pharisees 
and they were saying, you know, you, 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 well, they were trying to tell him he was of the devil and, and so on in that. And he said, I always do what pleases the Father. He's saying, there's not a moment of the day where the Father is not pleased with everything I have said. There's not a moment of the day where the Father is not pleased with everything I've thought. There's not a moment of the day where the Father's not pleased with everything I've done. Could anybody say that of themselves? None of us are righteous, are we? He alone is righteous. None of us could, even as Christians, we've got to admit, we live in unforgiveness. We, we, Christians are the best gossips ever because that's kind of a Christian pastime, I reckon. Um, holding grudges, using sharp words. And Christians, as I said a few weeks back, are champion manipulators, including myself. Sorry, I'm not having a go at everybody here. We're just good at it. We're good at sin. Just Christians learn to just work the sin in a different way. But we live in Genesis 5, in Genesis 6, 5, where it says of the people, God looked at the people and he said, every inclination of their hearts was only evil all the time. Which is a fairly comprehensive statement. True? That's not Jesus, by the way. Because with Jesus, every inclination of his heart was only ever love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control all the time. Jesus is an incredible man, hey? As, as, as just in his humanity, not talking about his, as the son of God, but wow. He's worthy of our worship. And in John 8, 46, he says something to the people. He says, who of you can convict me of a sin? Is there any of you who can say, well, I saw you doing this? The, th- the sort of things they could, the only things they could ever try and pin on him were things like, you healed people on the Sabbath. Or um, what else do they, you say God's your father. That's the sort of things that they could convict him of. They actually could find nothing in him. No one at that moment stood up and said, I saw you out the back. What about when you did that? No one could. Even his... Could, imagine if I said, OK, stand before the people today. Anybody here willing to stand up and say, can any of you tell me anything I've done wrong? Yeah. And... You, you might be able to if no one knows you're here, by the way. But just say, could you stand up? Just imagine at the family dinner, standing up. Anybody here can say anything I've ever done wrong. Okay, and the disciples had lived with Jesus day and night for three years. Is there anything you can say that I've done wrong? He says. Nothing. Jesus is an incredible man. Jesus said in John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. And we know what the Father said of Jesus a number of times through the Gospels. What did he say? This is my dear son in whom I'm well pleased. Or this is my son in whom I delight. In other words, when I look at my son, there is nothing in him whatsoever that I don't delight in. 
Can you get this? Now, what I'm, why am I saying If I got off on a tangent? No, what I'm saying is this is what righteousness looks like. And if you're given a gift of righteousness, how perfect are you? But it's Christ's righteousness, okay? Jesus also suffered and died doing the Father's will, didn't he? He did exactly what his Father asked of him. But that suffering wasn't just in his death. He actually suffered all the way through his life because he was under the constant persecution of sin, wasn't he? Right? Like, like he would have got persecution in his family. He got persecution right through his ministry, his life. He got persecuted under the, the mocking, the constant... No, no matter where he went, people were like into him, weren't they? He, he constantly lived in that. He constantly lived in perfection, which was hated, like that parable that he told about the vineyard's uh, son, the vineyard owner's son who came. And eventually they killed him. Why? They, they hate, people hate righteousness. Okay. He was despised and rejected, even though he was perfect. I think he was despised and rejected... Because he was perfect, he was hated for it. So all of his life, in a sense, was a life of the the persecution of sin, including his death. But he never sinned. Just I don't know if you can picture that. Just constantly being hated by people and never having a bad thought about them. That's who he was. If he was in the Garden of Eden, he would not have taken the fruit and ate it like Adam did. Every one of us would have, wouldn't we? Yeah, I would have taken two, put one in my pocket, if I had pockets. Um, <laughs> Jesus suffered under the sin of people all his life. He lived a perfect life and he laid down his life for those people. What I'm trying to paint is a picture of righteousness. It also highlights in us unrighteousness, doesn't it? We can't help but look at righteousness and think, that ain't us. I remember once I was at a, a, a minister's conference. It's in South Australia, so you don't have to think bad about any Queensland people here. But it was, all, it was like pastors from all over the state. And I played a song, also a Colin Buchanan song. Uh, I don't know if you know the one, uh, The Other Side of Grace. You ever heard that one? I'm slow when I should act with haste. I'm quick when I should tarry. I'm, it goes, what Colin says in is everything I'm supposed to do, I don't do. And yet the Father's love remains. I never, do, I never get it right and the Father's love remains. Uh, go home and listen to it. The other side of grace is cool. And I played this, at this and this pastor came up and he was angry with me. He was really angry. And he said, I hate that song. I said, why is that? He said, because it says, Jesus is great and I'm crap. He never said crap. He said a much worse, a different word than that, but that's okay. He said, and, and, I, and I hate it when people call me that because I'm not. I'm good. And he was really angry. Yep. Yep. We still hate Jesus being righteous and us not, don't we? It still annoys us. It still annoys us anytime anyone says we're sinful. But we are. We'd still crucify a righteous man. 
Okay. Jesus died to take the punishment of our sins. He washed away every sin. He made us perfect and spotless. And he lived a sinless life. So he both took our unrighteousness and he took the penalty for our unrighteousness and it killed him on the cross. And he gave us his righteousness, which means we have full law obedience through him and through him alone. You want, can you see that? What does our life look like when God looks at it? In Christ? Just like Jesus was. Never a single thought, never a single word, never a single action wrong. Only in Christ. All he sees in us is perfection. Now our hearts are always on a quest to show how righteous we are. That's self-righteousness or self-justification. It's the same word. Where we try and... I want you to know how good I am. When, I'm telling, when I want you to know how good I am, am I thinking about, I want you to know how good Jesus is? No, I want you to know how good I am, and I don't need Jesus to do it. I just, I just want you to know I'm pretty good. That's self-righteousness, true? What a life of righteousness or a life of faith, because the just shall live by faith, or the righteous shall live by faith, looks like is a life that is from beginning to end, never ever about proving our own righteousness around justification. It is always trusting in Jesus and his obedience and never ours. So even when we do something good, we say, it's never me, it's all Jesus. And when we do something bad, we definitely say, it's never me, it's all Jesus. Do you understand? It's all him from faith to faith, from faith to faith, from faith to beginning and end, depending on what translation you've got. But all that we have has come from him. It is never our own righteousness. And we will never have a righteousness of our own until we repent. Now, repent's a funny word. It's not one we use much in our society. The Greek word means something like metanoia. It's two parts, which means change of mind, change of heart, where we turn around, where we, we work on one way, where we go the other way. What do we turn from? We turn from all of our own self-righteousness and trying to make ourselves good, all of our own good acts, which are sinful to the core. We, return, we repent and we turn to his righteousness and we trust in that. We repent from ourselves and we receive perfect obedience from him. Now, this happens when we become a Christian. But it doesn't just happen when we become a Christian. In, in one sense, every day we repent. Every day we have to change our mind and go, oh, it's not about me, it's about him. It's not about what I can do, it's not how, how good I am, it's about how good he is. It's all about him. Our life is constantly, because when we wake up in the morning, I don't know if you, if you like me, you, you wake up in the morning and your head's full of junk. And you've, you've almost got to repent, you've got to change your mind to follow Jesus all day long. And that's not saying you're not becoming, you're falling away from Christianity. It's just, you, we, we're constantly living a life where we have to go, no, I live by faith, not by sight. Not what I can see out my eyes, but what I know to be true of Jesus and what he's done for us. Faith in what Jesus has done, and I live by faith in his perfect righteousness, his perfect obedience, which is given to me. So we don't live of ourselves anymore. 
And this is the bit, you see, what can be complex is we think in Christianity, we become a Christian, then God stands us up and then we go under our own steam. He gave us righteousness, now live in it, everybody, and be really, really good. That's not faith to faith. Faith to faith is we were, living, we were given perfect righteousness and we're always walking in his perfect righteousness and it's never our own. In, in Galatians 2.20, he says, I've been, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I deserved it. He didn't say that, but he knows he did. Yeah? I deserve to be crucified with Christ because of my sin. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, I'm living every day in him. I'm not living in my own strength. In Colossians uh, 3, verse 3, it says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with God in Christ. Sorry, your, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So when Jesus comes back, you will, be, you will find all that you are in him, not in yourself. Do you get that? That's why Paul, over and over again, he says in the Bible, you are in Christ. You're in him. Your life is hidden in him. In other words, it's never your own. Don't ever think you're going to get a righteousness of your own. It is, you are not your own, he says. You were bought. I don't know if, you're going to, if you can get this. It's really, really important. There is not a moment of our life where we have a righteousness of our own. Every moment, everything we have, which is any good at all, is kept safe in Jesus. And that's why it's safe and that's why it's secure. You never have an obedience of your own. So Peter says in 1 Peter 1, you've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Here's your inheritance. It is never, that is never imperishable, undefiled and unfading. It is kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have an inheritance that is kept safe. It's his body which stands at the right hand of the Father right now in heaven with a body with perfect obedience and he's interceding for us. In other words, he's standing in the gap for us and every moment that Will does something wrong, God says, yes, but he's in Christ and he's my son and I see his perfect obedience. Every moment. We are only ever in Christ. And that's why we're kept safe. We're safe because it's not our obedience. It is Jesus' righteousness. The reason that we are sons and daughters of the living God is because we are in Christ the Son. We're in him. Everything we have comes from Jesus all the time. And the reason that we pray in Jesus' name is because... God can't hear our prayers unless they come through Jesus and his perfect righteousness. Our prayers are rubbish. They are dirty and defiled without going through Christ. And all of our worship is in Christ and through Christ. You can't, otherwise you're just standing up, raising your hands and raising your sinfulness to God and say, how good am I, God? It's through Christ. Every moment, everything we do is in him. Unless we realise this... We will go it alone as Christians. We will go, out of our, we'll go on our own steam. We will actually be talking Christian words, but we'll be on about our own glory. 
because we want it for ourselves. And we'll talk about an inheritance. Yes, we have an inheritance in Christ, but we'll talk about it in a greedy, selfish way. We want our own kingdoms here on earth. We want our own life of ease. We won't want that suffering that Christ went through that we walk in when we're in him. But our inheritance is Christ. It's in Christ and it's all of it. It's all, I've, I've said it lots of times, but that's all, we, that's all we have. So how are we to live? I've read from Colossians 2, uh, 3, but if you go back two verses, Colossians 3, 1 says this. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to your own glory. Look to Christ. He is seated above. Look to everything in him. And that's living by faith. And that's going from faith to faith. Always looking to him. And as you look to him, then you get the gift of the Holy Spirit who continually works. And what does he do? He brings you the the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's who you become. You become more like Jesus. But that's because it's a work he's doing in you, not you. Right. What this does is it glorifies God at every moment of our lives. We're saying, God, you're everything. All that I've got comes from you. All glory is you. All righteousness is you. And we live lives of thankfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In other words, we become God-centred. Not self-centred. It's a complete turnaround. It's a complete turn on its head because we live in the righteousness of Christ. So the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I'm going to pray. Father, we just want to give you thanks and praise and say you alone are the God of all goodness the God of all mercy, of all grace, of all power, of all glory. All glory and honour belongs to you. And Father, you have done for us what we could never do through the salvation of your Son in bringing us your righteousness. Father, we want to thank you that when you look at us, you see Christ and you see a full life of obedience right through to death. You see a life that you delight in and you call us that righteousness. Father, I pray that you will give us hearts that desire to live more and more like Jesus in line with the righteousness you've already given us and that we would desire to live in all that you've given us. And Father... You alone are the righteous God and your son alone brings righteousness to us. And we give thanks for him in Jesus' name. Amen.